in Soviet Russia. Podcast and you. Smith again, the show where we talk about myths, conspiracy, conspiracy theories. theories, and the supernatural. I am your key Illuminati member, or Kim for short. And I am just interested in licking lollipops. Or Jill. Either or. <laughs> Whichever. We answer to both. <laughs> um, welcome to- what's We just up? did that. about to start again. <laughs> If you can't hear from her voice, Kim has been sick, and her brain is not totally with us, <laughs> but we gotta stay far, on schedule, so... Far from us. Um, okay, so we're talking about Cold War. Um, the Cold War. The Cold War. There's not, not wars that are cold. <laughs> they're fought in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's actually sort of topical right now because apparently there are a number of articles that have come out in the past year saying that we are either in or headed to another Cold War with either Russia or China. I was reading about that, yeah. And it's and I didn't actually read about that until I started re- researching I this. I don't I I try and stay out of the news. <laughs> Trying to avoid so it as much as possible. So damn depressing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, I just got a uh, awesome Moscow Mule mug for Christmas, and so we had know. to do something Russiany. Yeah, I wanted to use it, and so we decided to do something Russiany. Not that the Cold War is all about Russia, because it's not. No, it's more about communism and capitalism. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> we are, in case you haven't guessed, drinking, drinking Moscow white. mules. I was about to say white Russian. God damn, I'm so sick. My no. brain. Where did you We've go? We've been talking about white Russians and brown Russians and black Russians. Uh, okay, and the drinks. That's all we're saying. Okay. Um, but no, we are drinking Moscow mules, which for anyone who hasn't ever had one or made one before. It's a cold drink in a mug. In a, you, I'm just saying. You usually drink it in, or you're supposed to drink it in a copper mug. Yeah, but and... it's still a mug, so the fuck, Russia. But what's wrong with mugs? Why the fuck you drink it a cold drink in a mug? What should they drink it in? A cup. No. A tumbler. It looks so cool in a copper mug. Copper mugs are the best. I feel like I should be drinking something hot when I pick up a mug. Not a metal mug. Your hand would burn off. Well... <laughs> It's still a mug. My mind goes to mug and thinks, hmm, something hot. Okay. Anyways, so it is made with vodka, of course. Um, ginger beer. Ginger beer. <laughs> I was like, what else is in there? A little bit of lime juice and some mint leaves. Yeah. And if you want to do it like us, just stick a whole twig of mint. It's set a sprig of mint, okay? <laughs> Plus I used it as your stir stick. Okay. I don't know why you let me make yours when I'm sick. Well, I'm always up for skipping work. Yeah, well. <laughs> and my boss doesn't listen, so I can get away with saying that. Thank God for that. For some reason, I had the dumb idea of telling my boss that I do a podcast. Yeah, what's wrong with you? I've had better ideas. 
Um, yeah. Do you want to tell them about the vodka that we're using? Oh, sure. Um, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. No. It's just, just a, no. a really crappy vodka called Odka. Um, you insist that we bought it together. I have never seen okay, this bottle well, in my life. Regardless of who I bought it with, I'm pretty sure it's over seven years old. Um, and it's half empty. And it's called Odka Electricity. Vodka with natural flavor and certified color. I don't know what that means. Um, they put blue food coloring in it. That's what it means. For some reason. And uh, the description on the back. Ever wanted to taste a lightning bolt? You can't, because it's dangerous and impossible. So I've made well, this shockingly good tongue-tickling spirit. I wouldn't say impossible. There was that one dude who got like hit by lightning seven times. But did he taste it? That's the key. I, I don't know if he... I cannot say for sure, but I'm pretty sure if you get hit by lightning, you're probably going to smack your lips a couple times going, burnt. Well, if you ever get hit by lightning, let me know. Or if you've ever gotten hit by lightning and you're listening, let us know. What What does it taste like? Yeah. What does lightning taste like? Um, Also, I I was going to take some Mucinex. Uh Uh-huh. Thank God I didn't because I get so high on Mucinex. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I get, I, it's like the worst high. I'm just silly as fuck. Why did you not do this? Because I figured I probably have to drive home later tonight. I probably should not be on Mucinex. Yeah, we can always get producer John to drive us. Yeah. Unless you have Mucinex. Don't. Yeah. You don't have any medicine here. No. But, but this is a medicine-free household. We don't believe in all your pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You, I asked if you had stuff for a headache one time, and you gave me almonds. <laughs> yeah, the worst part is this is not exaggerating at all. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Bitch gave me fucking almonds. <laughs> the fuck am I supposed to do with almonds? You're, You're telling the- me this is going to cure my headache like that lickety split? Nah, bitch, I need something now. <laughs> You're not the first person I've done that to either. <laughs> You're a fucking monster. I feel for your children. They're gonna come to me with their pharmaceutical needs. No, like, it's got, uh, what is it, magnesium in it or something, and it's supposed to, uh, it's supposed to help with that. The very least you could have done is given me a cup of coffee. You didn't ask for a cup of coffee. And I asked for something for a headache. Caffeine helps with headaches. Not necessarily. Depends on what kind of headache you have. Generally, caffeine helps with headaches. All right, next time. Because it's a vasodilator. And the reason why you have headaches is because your veins in your head have constricted. All right, next time, I will get you some coffee and I'll drop some almonds in it and we'll cover all our bases. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just drop some almond milk in it and we call it good? Sure. I was thinking about that after I said (laughs) almonds. I was like, wait, they make almond milk for that. Well, I was thinking almond meal, and then I thought, no, they make they make almond milk. <laughs> it's all good. I don't have to settle. <laughs> and I know you have almond milk. Yes, we do have almond milk. Okay. All right. So, getting back on topic, the Cold War. There's history. Burr. There's some <laughs> myths, and there's con- some conspiracy theories. So. I'm going to start by... Uh, There's a lot of conspiracy theories. I didn't even scratch the surface of conspiracy theories. Yeah, we just picked out... Um, or Kim, I should say, picked out a couple good ones. Um, so, 
I guess I'll just jump into it. Um, I'm gonna. I have to be completely honest. I'm not even sure they were the good ones. I just kind of cherry picked one that I found and then went with it. <laughs> Bitch, I was sick. I'm not trying. In traditional Kim research methods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's not how I do it. <laughs> Why am I not What's surprised? What's the first Google search results? <laughs> that one? Perfect. <laughs> I can only hope that Google cherry-picked the best ones then. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to assume that most people have heard of the Cold War and mostly know what it was about. Also, it is not about a war that was fought in winter. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying I'm going to assume that most people know... What it is. We assume you have some base level of... History, basic, recent history knowledge. Yeah. Um, it was more than just communism versus capitalism. It was more like the U.S. versus the USSR. Um, and the USSR was the Union of Soviet Specialist Republics, also called the Soviet Union. Wait. I thought it was more about communism versus capitalism and not about Russia versus... It, it's not Russia, it's USSR. Whatever the fuck you want to call it. Okay, this is... I want to make this clear. The USSR, the Soviet Union, is not Russia. Okay? Russia was one of the entities within the Soviet Union, but it also included countries like Armenia, Estonia, Georgia, Latvia, Lithuania, Moldova... Russia, oh, I said Russia, Turkmenistan, Ukraine, and others. Well, then I'm going to have to change my notes. <laughs> okay. I got tired, okay? I'm sorry, I put Russia in. All right, well, I guess this is actually one of the misconceptions with the Cold War was that it was between the U.S. and Russia, but it, it was between the Soviet Union and the U.S. and the Soviet Union encompassed a lot of... Wasn't it just a communist government that was run in Russia? No, it was run in the Soviet Union, which in its prime included more than 15 countries. No, not more than. It included 15 countries. Ah. Yeah, so it it's not just Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yes, it was a lot of communism versus capitalism, but it was more than that. Um, it kind of turned into a dick measuring contest between the US and USSR. Kind of like the way our president has a dick measuring contest with China and Korea. Hence why a lot of people are saying we're head that direction again. Uh-huh. Um, the why great- we would need a woman president? She doesn't have a dick to measure. The greatest perceived threat boils down to essentially a bunch of Pentagon pricks falsifying some information. Um, the Cold War started in 1945, which was after World War II, and continued on until about 1991. It escalated into an arms race that made people terrified that it was going to turn into World War III. In its prime, the USSR was the world's largest country, again, encompassing 15 other entities. And it was also the most diverse country in the world. You know, I think the reason people call it just Russia is because Russia was the biggest country. Yeah, it was the biggest entity within the Union. Um, Yeah, so one of the most diverse, hosting over 100 different nationalities. I'm not going to talk too much about the style of government, but essentially it was a one-party system, being the Communist Party, 
with a parliamentary style. Um, Vladimir Lenin was the first kind of ruler that uh, started out the USSR. Um, Do we even know what their rulers were called? Uh, Prime ministers? Um, uh, God. I've seen it in... I've seen them called several different things. Mm-hmm. Some sources seem to call them prime ministers. Others called them presidents. Others called them leaders. I think I've heard, definitely heard them called presidents. I don't think I've ever heard them called prime ministers. Yeah. But the, the system of how they had their political discussions was more similar to a parliamentary. Mm-hmm. Um, the problems in the USSR really started when Joseph Stalin came to power because he and he came in and turned it into a totalitarian style of government. Mm -hmm. Any opposition, any perceived threats, he eliminated. He had this secret police and increased political surveillance. He bred this atmosphere of paranoia and promoted rapid industrialization that became very harmful to the economy. Read or watch the movie Animal Farm. It pretty much sums it up. This elimination of um, all of his potential or perceived opposition became known as the Great Purge, and in this time, over 600,000 people were executed, and many others were imprisoned or sent to labor camps. So, shit was rough in... uh, in Soviet oh, Russia. <laughs> Just kidding. In the USSR. It was really rough. Um, during World War II, the US and Soviet Union fought together as allies, but soon their relationship became tense because Americans were afraid of communism and they were wary of Stalin's tyrannical rule, unsure of what he might do after the world after the war was over. Hmm. The Soviets, on the other hand, had their own beef with the states because for so long the U.S. had refused to recognize them as legitimate and had delayed their entry into World War II, which the Soviets claimed had resulted in a lot of Russian deaths. So after their mutual enemy was destroyed, being Germany, there was nothing left to distract the two superpowers from their mutual dislike and distrust. Neither... Party is to blame for the tensions that turned into the Cold War because both of them equally contributed. And, um. So both are to blame? Yes, both are to blame. You can't say neither are to blame. They both did shit, then both are to blame. Did I say neither are to blame? <laughs> you said neither. Okay. Neither both, same thing. <laughs> well, not exactly. <laughs> okay. Both are to blame. Because they both did some shit. Yeah. Um, I think the most iconic uh, symbol and situation of the Cold War is probably the situation in Berlin. And this really cemented the tensions between the Soviet Union and U.S. So after World War II, Germany was divided between the Soviets and the Allies. The Soviets took the east side of Germany and the Allies took the west. And... The U.S. was part of the Allies along with Britain and France. First of all, Germany needs to stop starting world wars because they end up fucking themselves up real hard. That they only did World War Two and World War One. Did they start World War One? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think the Serbs technically started it, but Germany came out real hard. Oh. 
So, I mean, and then after World War One, Germany was settled with the, the entire debt of the war, pretty much. And then after World War Two, their country gets divided into, I mean, yeah. After every world war, Germany gets dicked because everybody blames Germany. Blame Germany. <laughs> no, the song is Blame Canada, sweetheart. <laughs> I know you're trying to change it. I'm tying it in. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, Germany didn't come out too well. But, uh, yeah, they're divided in two. And the Soviets really resented having to share Germany with their capitalist counterparts. And then the Allies, in turn, feared the spread of communism. So they were trying to contain the spread. And so a lot of American troops remained in West Berlin. In 1948, the Soviets attempted to starve the Allies out of the West by building a blockade. But the Allies, uh, in rebuttal... This is just in Berlin, right? It was not in West Germany. Right. So, yeah, just in Berlin. Berlin is in East Germany, correct? So the city of Berlin is in Eastern Germany. So the Soviets pretty much surrounded Berlin, I think. Mm. And then the city itself was divided in West and East. I see. Okay. So was all of Germany also cut in half? Yes, I believe so. If, so I, why if did... my history lessons are correct, and my so memory then of history why did is they? Correct, also cut Berlin in half. Because it was the capital of oh, Germany. I see, okay. Or right. is the capital of Germany, I think, still. Okay, that makes Other sense. Germany. So they, yeah, okay. We're all cut up. So they're trying, the Soviets are trying to... <laughs> you keep... I'm glad I could fill that in for you. <laughs> I'm supposed to have done the history notes. You're welcome. <laughs> You're also interrupting me in, like, the middle of sentences. All I did was smile, and you cracked up. <laughs> You interrupt me in the middle of a sentence, and I'm like, I can't go back. I have a thought, and then I just have to bullet a china shop, burrow my way through it. Okay, so the Soviets are attempting to starve the Allies out of the West. The Allies, in turn, uh, airlifted food and supplies and continued to do these airlifts until the Soviets finally removed the blockade a year later. Berlin Airlift, as this was called, gets a lot of credit for, like, being the thing that saved the Allies or, like, maintained them. Saved West Berlin. Yeah. Um, But in reality, it was barely useful. And the blockade was lifted because it wasn't really working, not because of the airlift. Didn't they only, like, drop candy bars and, like, luxury items? It wasn't very useful. So there weren't enough supplies being dropped for all the people, and then they didn't they weren't bringing in the things people really needed, like coal to heat their homes or real food. Like you said, they were dropping things like chocolate bars and mm-hmm. pretty much useless items. It was essentially more of like a fuck you to the establishment than an actual intervention. Yeah. I think the real heroes of the uh, blockade were actually the people on the ground, the West Berliners who were smuggling in food and coal and stuff that they needed and giving it out to people and yeah they they they, they, they don't f- get the credit they need they foraged they made black market deals with shopkeepers they traded on the streets and they made arrangements to get supplies brought across the blockade mm-hmm. and the berliners were actually the west berliners were actually so successful in their black market dealings that they were selling vegetables in greater quantity and lower cost than in soviet berlin Damn. <laughs> so, 
So they really don't get the credit they deserve. All the credit's gone to the, like, airships that did jack diddly. Yeah, there's, like, communist guards going to the government and complaining about the price of vegetables in West versus East. Right. Like, the blockade is not working. No. So... Since the blockade wasn't successful in getting rid of the Allies, the Soviets just decided to build a wall between the capitalist West and communist East. I'm sorry, but isn't it just like American? I know, as I was researching this, I'm like, this sounds oddly familiar. (laughs) Americans are so cocky that we think we're the shit. Realize we're not doing anything. Yep. Yup. All right, so the Soviets are building a wall. They uh, begin constructing this barrier to, um, with the proposed purpose of trying to keep the fascists, West Westerners, out of the East. But in reality, what was going on? Wait, did they call us fascists? Yeah, those bastards. <laughs> in reality, what was going on is so many people were. So many people were defecting from the east to the west that they had to put up a wall to stop it from happening. And this was a very hastily constructed wall made part of barbed wire, part of concrete. And by the time it was fully constructed, nearly three million people had crossed over into West Berlin. Having the wall up did slow people down, but they were still getting across. So the wall was improved to be fully reinforced concrete, no more barbed wire. 12 feet high, and then something called the Death Strip on the east side of the wall. This was a strip of soft sand, so people would be leaving footprints in it, floodlights, dogs, like, trained to attack people, tripwire machine guns, and soldiers with orders to shoot would-be defectors on site. So, they ain't playing around no more. (laughs) Yeah. um, Like, you're staying here. Mr. President... This is what your goal is going to be. Get it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Either it's not going to be good enough or you're going to actually have to post up guards to shoot on sight. And then you're going to get a lot of shit from other countries around the world. Yeah, because um, this is uh, Soviet communism style stuff, right? Fuck. <laughs> and during this time, um, it's estimated around 150 people died trying to escape East Berlin. Oh, that's not actually that many. I would have thought it would be more. I think I think the fear factor was enough to deter a lot of mm. people. There were some people that successfully made it across mm-hmm. through uh, more means of subterfuge. Um, but yeah, people were dying. Yeah. And while this wall was... And of course, families were split apart. Yeah. No, it was very, very tragic. The whole situation in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so while this whole wall thing is going on, the Soviets had also turned their focus to the space race and building more military weapons. For a long time, America was a leader in exploration, but the Soviets surprised the world by being the first to launch a man-made satellite into space, called Sputnik. Mm -hmm. The U.S. wasn't far behind in launching their own, called the Explorer, but the damage had been done. Their pride was wounded. Didn't, uh, yeah, Soviets also got the first man in space, too. I was getting to that. Sorry. The Soviets won again. Let me steal your thunder. (laughs) By being the first to put a man in space in 1961. The U.S. government began funneling more money into space programs to try to come out ahead. And while this seemed like when we look back on it in history, it seems like 
you know, Americans are being touted as the good guys mm-hmm. in this. Um, at the time, the American public was actually against the government putting so much money into the space program. Oh, yeah. Today, they propaganded it as people were in so much support. But, yeah, there was... Yeah, there was not a lot of... In fact, a majority of people polled in 1960 were against the amount of money being put into space program. I think the general census was, we have problems here. Can we focus on this planet? It wasn't only that. It was also the wars going on in um, Korea and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of shit going on, and the U.S. government was like, oh, the Soviet Union is getting all this space shit done, and we have to catch up. Soviets did it. We gotta do it, too. We gotta be better at them. <laughs> we were supposed to be first. Again, it's a dick measuring contest. It is. Um, so even when the U.S. became the first to put a man on the moon, only 53% of Americans, after this had been, like, televised and everything, only 53% agreed that the money had been well spent. So, yeah, that's, not um, the, the fee. I know that's technically the majority, but not a lot of majority. Yeah, I know, it's, it's you not are, a very good Rotten Tomatoes score. You are barely making majority. <laughs> yeah. That would that's be... a technicality at that point. <laughs> yeah. And um, amidst the tensions of the space race, the U.S. military was fighting to also be top dog in that category. And this is where things get a bit shifty, or even more shifty, I should say. I'm sorry, in what category? Military. Oh. Both the Soviet Union and U.S. were building missiles and nuclear arms, and the CIA began bringing reports back about these big, scary, expensive weapons that the Soviets were building, and the U.S. government was channeling money into building bigger and better versions of these weapons. Mm Mm-hmm. Word then would go to the Soviets about, you know, the hydrogen bomb and this other nuclear technology. And so then they would build more weapons because, like, oh, the U.S. is doing this now. and We have to be the first to destroy the world. Otherwise, the other person's going to do it. It's it's turning into an arms race. Like, they're like, oh, they have all these weapons. Well, we're going to have all these weapons. And then it just keeps going back and forth until they're just stockpiling huge amounts of weapons. And, of course, they could both decimate the world. Mm-hmm. At this point, they literally, at this point, could completely obliterate everything. They could. And people in the U.S. were building bomb shelters in their backyards. Schools were doing attack drills to prepare students for an attack. And they were telling kids to hide or do their tests. I know. It was not an effective strategy, but people were scared. You have to give them the sense that, that something that, is... This is going to help? I'm sorry. Yeah. Is this desk made of lead? No? <laughs> The fuck is this going to do? <laughs> and um, and then even the media was getting on board. There was an influx of nuclear-themed movies coming mm-hmm. out. And so it was just something that was ever-pervasive in the well, public mind. I mean, in all, like, kind of media sense, comic books had the Red Menace as uh, their um, evil guy in Captain America or something. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was, like, everywhere. Like, comic books, movies, TV. It was either overtly stated or under the covers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was was not a fun time. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. at this time even went so far as to build a flying saucer. Like, they (gasps) literally built a flying saucer. No fucking way. (laughs) They did. That is amazing. Here's the catch, though. The majority of these reports from the CIA were actually not true. 
So they were coming to the U.S. saying, oh, the Soviets have all this technology and they have this number of stuff. And when in reality, they'd been tacking on extra zeros when when reporting the numbers of bombs, missiles and nuclear weaponry. And they even had been so creating... So 10 turns into 100, turns into 10,000, turns into 100,000. Exactly. They had even created their own weaponry, saying this is what the Soviets are doing, and then giving it to the government to get funding to build it, okay. even though the Soviets didn't actually have it. So Eisenhower caught on to this... Fuck you, CIA. <laughs> after... <laughs> told you, Pentagon pricks. Eisenhower caught on to this after he left office and kind of brought it out into the public eye as like, what the fuck, guys? And that's when it stopped. But the people who were responsible for this weren't really prosecuted. They were just like, oh, they're a little bit misguided, but they're so patriotic, yada, yada. (laughs) So that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so this whole arms race basically comes down to this fabrication of data like yes both sides had nuclear arms but not at the quantity that it turned into yeah i think i i heard i watched some documentary on history channel or something that said that russia didn't start really building up until the u.s started uh you mean the soviets or whatever okay sorry (laughs) the soviets didn't start really building up armaments until the united states said that they had already started building up armaments and were already building up armaments and in the end russia very well surpassed america in number of armaments they were very technologically advanced and um i lost my train of thought they were very technologically advanced (laughs) and yes they did have a shit ton of (laughs) nuclear Bombs and missiles and ICBMs. Yeah, it it really didn't have to turn into the state, or the it didn't have to go to the level that it did. No. And it, I think it was just, there was so much fear-mongering going mm-hmm. on in the U.S. that it really, it started mass hysteria. Yeah. Like, people were paranoid, people were terrified And the House of Representatives even established the House of Un-American Activities Committee. Committee? Committee. Committee. So this was created with the intent to deal with the threat of communism in America. So essentially, we're gonna find you and do stuff. Yeah, this is the uh, witch hunt for communists and communist sympathizers. Yeah, having any communist or socialist beliefs was considered unpatriotic and you would be considered a threat. So Mm -hmm. this even extended to Hollywood. People were being pitted against each other. If you called out someone else for being a communist, whether it was true or not, then you would be safe for a while. Well, I mean, it was like the Salem witch trials, which... This is when the movie came out about it. Yeah, it's basically, that person's a witch, I'm not. And they, they forced you to rat on your oh yeah they, fellow friends and say, okay, which one of your people you, you know is a communist? Yeah, they had to give a name. They pitted people against each other. And over 500 people in Hollywood, in the media, they lost their jobs and became blacklisted. And they mm-hmm. couldn't get jobs for decades after the Cold War. Um, Senator Joseph McCarthy was one of the infamous characters at this time. 
he was convinced that there were communist supporters within the federal government. And he put the HUAC, what is it called? House of Un-American Activities Committee, to work trying to weed these people out. Thousands of federal employees were investigated. Their families and neighbors and friends were interrogated. Some were fired. Some were prosecuted. And this whole period of time where all of this is going on is known as the Red Scare. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who doesn't know where red comes from, red is the color of the flag, and they call, they the Soviets had the Red Army. And mm -hmm. so communists were commonly referred to as Reds. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like we were saying, it was essentially a witch hunt in America. And people would start accusing their neighbors, their colleagues. College professors who were a little too liberal got fired. J. Edgar Hoover, another infamous character at this time, even went so far as to equate any kind of protest as sympathizing with communism. So the civil rights movement, Women's movement. going on, um, he started labeling as sympathizing with communism and went so far as to label Martin Luther King Jr. a communist. There were communist spies in the U.S., just like the U.S. had spies in the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. But the level at which this paranoia was resulting in all of these investigations, it was, in hindsight, very un-American. Because, you know, America is a free world and you're free to have whatever beliefs and freedom of speech and whatnot. And this whole situation really went against that because... As soon as you say something relating to communism at all, you're going to get prosecuted. It's very anti-communist, or very anti-First Amendment. Yes, exactly. It was actually a very strange time in the U.S. It was a very un-American time. Yes, a very unpatriotic time. Today, I would say we, yeah, we are in a very unpatriotic time. <laughs> so, um, in the end of the Cold War, wait, where do I talk about? The Cuban Missile Crisis. Somewhere along the lines of Kennedy? Yeah. I'd... Did you skip Kennedy altogether? Apparently, I did. <laughs> we just okay. moseyed right on past him. Right through Kennedy. Um, well, it is actually sort of a myth that Kennedy was sort of touted as this hero within these Cold War times. And I mean, oh, he, he fucked he did up good things, on. but he, uh, he also did some questionable things. The Bay of Pigs? He fucked up. The, so Khrushchev, who um, this is following Stalin's death, mm -hmm. Khrushchev takes over and he installs a bunch of nuclear weapons in Cuba, right near Florida, and this instigates the Cuban Missile Crisis. With the help of Fidel Castro. Yeah. However, Kennedy has been trying to assassinate Castro. <laughs> he can't do it. He's gotten so many CIA people in there and it's literally like what is that um the Wiley e. Coyote oh it's like Wiley e. Coyote, Coyote yeah yeah and Castro's freaking roadrunner yeah the CIA or Wiley e. Coyote and they just can't get it right it went so far as to like poisoning his pillow or something it was I think they uh, had so many opportunities it was this chocolate that they he liked these chocolate bars. Yeah. And they tried to poison the chocolate bars. And it, 
It didn't. It was. They had so many opportunities, and each one failed. Yeah, there were at least comical, ridiculous events. And the thing is, is Kennedy was kind of open about it. Like he wasn't hiding the fact that he was trying to assassinate the president. So, I because he's like, come at me, bitch. (laughs) I think he's sort of fifty percent to blame for the Cuban Missile Crisis, not just all Soviet. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I don't know why I skipped over that part because it's humorous. Um, but, okay, so in, in the end of the Cold War, the it's not like the U.S. defeated the Soviet Union. That's not how this worked. No, I think everybody kind of just came to their senses and, like... Well, okay, so Khrushchev goes out of power. Um, Gorbachev comes Gorbachev out of power. comes in. And by this time... We the get so- Reagan. The Soviet Union is um, kind of in its own economic and political turmoil Mm -hmm. they're having a lot of economical instability and they can't really maintain things the way they are and gorbachev sees this so it's not like the u.s is bolstered through with their military prowess and made the soviet union scared it's more like reagan and gorbachev worked together with Figuring out compromises, using diplomacy, hint, hint, wink, wink, Trump. It's called soft power, Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, literally, through diplomacy, they worked with Gorbachev to help him dismantle the Soviet empire and stage his plans for economic reform, which is what Gorbachev wanted. Um, And it was with Gorbachev that he took down the Berlin Wall, that Mm -hmm. whole famous... Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. <laughs> Reagan smash. <laughs> Basically. Oh, quick aside, because I, I just want to mention this. I okay. did read a Smithsonian article um, about Reagan and Gorbachev, and they were talking, and I guess Reagan asked Gorbachev if America was attacked by an extraterrestrial source, like an aliens or something, if the Soviet Union would come to their aid. <laughs> and Gorbachev says, yes. And Reagan's like, yes, too. We'll help you out, too. Were they high? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, it was on a walk. They were having some sort of talk, and then they took a break, and they went on a walk, and only their translators went with them. <laughs> so I, this is years later that this story comes out, but yeah, that is this is so weird. But anyways, but that's fine. so so yeah, they I, would they would stop the Cold War for aliens. That's it. <laughs> yeah, of, of course, another mutual enemy, aliens. How do you bring two people together? Aliens. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Why do we talk about aliens every episode? Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, the guy was onto something. It's always aliens. Always aliens. Actually, so, I don't have any aliens. The Cold War theories. was resolved because of aliens and the mutual threat of extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. <laughs> Is that Wendy what you're ending it on? <laughs> yep. Okay. I think I said my bit. All right. Well, I mean, also, there was the issue of economic differences and capitalism and communism. The way they differ is that capitalism promotes competition and promotes. Uh, always improving yourself while communism everyone gets a job everyone makes a paycheck so and there's no real desire to push forward and that's where the downfall of communism is 
there was a lot, there's a lot of corrupt things that happened within the Soviet communist well, I'm economy. Not, I'm not even talking about Soviets, the corruption. Mm-hmm. It's just a f- basic fundamental. of If you have pure communism, there's no desire to push forward. Yeah, because there's no reason. Everybody's got a job. Excel. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Gorbachev recognized that the U.S.'s economy was much better than mm-hmm. the Soviet Union. And he he actually admitted to that. Mid- yeah. Yeah, to Reagan. That your economy is much better. It's the and, shit, man. you know, things have got to change in the Soviet Union in order to maintain things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But fundamentally, I want to impress upon the importance of diplomacy and compromise, not just my missile is bigger than your missile. Mm-hmm. That um, does very little. Yeah, all it does is... Make just... him want to build a bigger missile. Exactly. <laughs> Until, yeah. It's not working, Trump. Stop. <laughs> stop. Just stop. I know you're not listening, but stop. <laughs> Anyways. We've refilled our mules, and mine looks like a flower pot with the amount of mint that's in there. You didn't put that much mint in there. I didn't want to take off all the leaves. It seemed like too much work. Also, what the fuck am I going to do with this mint? Right? True. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I have some conspiracy theories. Well, one big Uh conspiracy Uh theory. And one's just kind of like a fun little thought. A fun thought? Was <laughs> it your thought. fun thought or someone else's? Well, someone else's fun thought. But okay. Okay. Is it an important person's thought? No. Just some random person's fun, random thought. fun thought. Okay. Okay, so the first one. Well, I guess one... that's what conspiracy theories are, is just some random people's fun thoughts. Right? <laughs> so, okay, so it's the Dyatlov Pass incident. The... Say again? Dyatlov Pass? Dyatlov Pass? D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. You tell me how to pronounce that. It's Russian, bitch. Alright, just tell me what the hell it is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, it's when nine experienced mountaineers went on a backcountry hike in Russia's Ural Mountains uh, in January 1959. They went into the woods, and they never came out. It sounds more like a werewolf conspiracy than a Cold War conspiracy. Why would you consider it a werewolf conspiracy? Or, or a yeti, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they went in. They never came out. 1959. A search and rescue uh, team. So, timeline, timeline. 1959. This deep was into the Cold War. Deep in the Cold War. The Berlin Wall was being reinforced. Concrete. But this was in Russia. Right. but So just... there was no Berlin Wall in Russia. No, no, no. But I'm just giving a timeline. Okay. Anyways, Sputnik uh, had launched, right? I don't know. You did the history. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> what are you asking me for? You're the history buff. <laughs> I don't do dates. I do cause and effect history. Anyway, so a search and rescue team went out to find them, and what they found is really weird. So the tent that the nine hikers were sharing had been ripped open from the insides. Yeti. From the insides. <laughs> one of them so t- one of them is a, ye- a were-yeti. <laughs> a were-yeti, yeah. <laughs> uh, it still had their rations and all of their warm clothes. Five of the hikers were discovered about a mile from the tent. Wait, so were they all 
In one tent? All of them were in one tent. Apparently it was a big tent where yeah. everybody was snuggling up tight. Which I guess yeah. maybe because it was like <clears throat> minus 30 degrees, so I would snuggle up tight. Yeah, I, I'm imagining it was more like a house tent type of thing. Yeah, like a big family camping tent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so five of the hikers were discovered about a mile from the tent. Two were by the remnants of a campfire, and their hands were severely burned. Then the other three were found about 100 feet uh, in 100 foot increments, like the one was found, and then 100 foot later, feet later, another one was found, and then 100 feet later, another was found. And they were leading back to the uh, destroyed tent as if they were trying to make it back to their tent. Um, and all five of them were in varying states of undressed. The other four... <laughs> okay. I mean, this isn't funny, but it's kind of creepy. What condition were they found in? Frozen to death. So there were there any marks, like damage? Were they There was no up? sign of struggle. Just really? varying degrees of undressed. Except burnt, for the people who burnt, burnt their hands. hands, probably because they were trying to keep warm by the fire and they just reached their hands too far in, like, oh my god, I'm so cold. Um, were they also undressed? Varying states of undressed. This is weird. Some of them were naked down to their socks. Some of them just had no socks on. Okay. No <laughs> shoes on either. But um, yeah. Um, and then the other four hikers, because there's nine of them, were found three months later in a ravine, which they apparently fell into. Some were in clothes belonging to the hikers found at the campfire, so possibly they scavenged their clothes to stay warm. Wait, so these were three four hikers that were not part of the original nine? No, they were all part of the original nine. But three of them were in a ravine. Four of them were in a ravine. (laughs) Why do they keep thinking three? Because it's three months later. (laughs) Okay. All Um, right. So yeah, they probably scavenged their clothes to stay warm. Uh-huh. Um, apparently none of them thought to go back to the tent to get the real warm clothes, but whatever. Huh. They were just in their pajamas. Uh, one had an injury to the chest that doctors compared to a car crash. Really? Uh-huh. Like like a car had crashed into him? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, because my source didn't say. It was either... It has to be either a car crash into him, or he was in a car crash, and, and like, the, a seatbelt, like, jerked across his chest or and the, caused a chest injury. Um, or the or an airbag. airbag. Like, huh. It's gotta be one of those. Interesting. You can only be either inside or outside of a car during a car <laughs> crash, so. <laughs> um, and another um, was missing her tongue. Ew. Yeah. Did they find the tongue? I don't think so. Ew. All, I don't know why that's grosser, but whatever. All of the clothes were found to be highly radioactive. And one of the hikers seemed to have grabbed his camera as he left the tent, but not his warm clothes. Hmm. Um, the prevailing theory is that they were attacked by something, but there are no signs of a struggle and no signs of any tracks other than the nine hikers. Well, yeah, and if they were, like, every hundred feet, if they were walking back to the tent, it's like they heard or saw something far away that they went out to find. Well, I hope they were walking and not running, because if it were, they were running, that would kind of explain why they dropped dead, because you're not supposed to run when it's below freezing. Are you supposed to walk when it's below freezing? Walking is way better than running, because... Why? I don't know, it's got something to do with getting that freezing air in your lungs way faster, and then you just, like, something happens, you just drop dead. Oh. And suffocate, because you can't... Huh. Interesting. I, I, I learned this from Wind River. <laughs> TV? Technically, yes, it is a Hollywood movie, but... TV teaches you things. Right? 
Now I know never to run in freezing temperatures. Okay. Um, another theory is that they were accidental victims of a Soviet weapons test. Hmm. So it explains the radiation on the clothes and why the investigators were quick to close the case and cite a compelling natural force as the cause of death. Mm-hmm. Doesn't explain the missing tongue or why yeah. they were all fucking naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. But apparently some people from like a nearby town or something had saw like orange lights that night. So I don't know. Huh. It's curious. I have no answers for you. My theory is shrooms. Um, absinthe? Absinthe? Maybe. I just think they were all doing shrooms. They got a little too crazy. Well, why were their clothes radioactive? That part I don't know. (laughs) But if this shrooms could explain everything else. Eh? What? So the clothes, um, in the, on the hikers in the ravine, and the ones in the tent, and the ones... On the bodies spaced out, they were all radioactive. Um, I don't know about the ones in the tent. I know the clothes on the people were radioactive. Huh. But fuck me, I'm not getting out of a cold tent in minus 30 degrees without a warm jacket. Yeah. A, it's very B, strange. You would never find me in minus 30 degrees. <laughs> if I'm in minus 30 degrees, I've been kidnapped. Yeah, that's very bizarre. And, huh. Yeah. So thank I you. guess, yeah, I guess I could see if they maybe heard an explosion or saw, like, this bright flash of light mm-hmm. that they would be like, oh, what's that? And, like, one guy would grab his camera and go out to see, and they'd be like, oh, we're just going out for a second. Um, and... Except they're running out, and you're not, and then you're they not were, supposed to run in freezing temperatures. Well, maybe they're stupid. I don't know. And so Also, they, they were only a mile away. The fire was a mile away from camp. Yeah. They made a fire a mile away from camp. They ran out, and they're skimpies. And then made a fire what if a the, mile away from What camp? if the bomb was dropped on, not a bomb, but like something was dropped near the tent and they were trying to get away and they didn't have time to put on their shoes? I don't know. I mean, it's a fun thought experiment. Yeah. What the fuck happened? <laughs> Why are they all dead now? Um, and then the only other thing I have is an actual conspiracy theory. So there is the theory that the Cold War was just an elaborate and well-choreographed hoax, that the Rush, that Russia was never an American enemy, I guess I should say the USSR was never an American enemy, <laughs> and that both the USSR and Nazi Germany were actually the creations of a secret organization of wealthy business tycoons and Wall Street beggars. A.K.A. Illuminati. <laughs> Shut up, I'm gonna get there. Oh. Let me work to you there, Okay. <laughs> So, before I continue, I would like to preface that this theory by saying that the following is not the official belief of Jill or I. It is simply a regurgitation of information found online by various sources. So, if you are a Russian and you got beef with this conspiracy theory, don't take it up with us. Wow, this must be really serious. We provide you with the sources. We will provide you with the sources on our website, thismythagain.blueberry.net. You must feel really sketched out by this conspiracy theory to, like, be giving that. (sighs) Like, it's a little bit offensive. Oh, okay. Huh. I guess I'll explain why to you when we get there. Alright. Yeah. So, the theory centers around the Council on Foreign Relations, or CFR, which essentially is a think tank founded in 1921 with the goal of being a resource for government officials business executives, and basically anyone who might need the their expertise 
to help them better understand the world and foreign policy choices facing the U.S. and other countries. Mm -hmm. That's what the CFR says they do. However, my sources say that they are (laughs) actually a coalition of the world's elite with the intention of controlling the world's wealth and also the thoughts and opinions of the masses. Or at least that's what I inferred from their words. So it's another name for the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It, by the way, if you haven't listened to our Illuminati episode, take candor. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but um, let me take you back a bit to the revolutions in Russia that occurred around the turn of the 20th century. So, so this is pre-Cold War, pre-World War II, leading up to the establishment of the USSR. Mm-hmm. It is technically after, however... The um, first revolution in 1905. Mm-hmm. So, before it was a communist superpower, Russia had a feudal system of government with a king who held the title of Tsar, and the last Tsar was Nicholas II. Around the mid-1800s, a huge source of oil was discovered in Russia called the Baku oil field. At the time, it was the largest oil field ever discovered, and Tsar Nicholas II had plans to turn the country into a major oil competitor. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty close. By the 1880s, Russia's oil production was about a third of what the U.S. was producing. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they weren't far behind. But this was not going to fly with American oil tycoon John D. Rockefeller. <laughs> of course not. You got another thing coming. <laughs> okay. My oil field bigger than your oil field. Right? <laughs> He, Andrew Mellon, J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie, and several other bigwigs and robber barons. So all the good ones you learn about in history books. Right? (laughs) All them top hats. um, Pooled their resources and created the American International Corporation, AIC. The stated purpose of the AIC was to develop domestic and foreign enterprises to extend America's activities abroad and to promote the interests of American foreign bankers, businesses, and engineering. For reference, think of East India Trading Company. Oh, okay. That's... Huh. Mm -hmm. I have never even heard of that before. (laughs) Probably because... Probably because it doesn't exist today. Oh, okay. So it was... So, um... This is like the precursor to the, uh... Council on Foreign Relations. So I just want to clarify, we're talking about a conspiracy theory, but this stuff so far are things that are verified, right? Or, Mm. like, did they actually establish this? They did establish the AIC. I'm not entirely sure if it was because John D. Rockefeller had an issue with... The other oil field. Another oil field in Russia. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but... But, yeah. Yeah, according to this conspiracy theory, their real goal was to fund the Bolsheviks and their plans for revolution and to overthrow the Tsar. The AIC members met with Lenin Trotsky and Vladimir Lenin. I'm sorry, Leon Trotsky and Vladimir Lenin. Mm-hmm. Again, Vladimir Lenin was one of, or he was the first leader of, of the, the so- USSR. USSR, Soviet yeah. Union, whatever. And they um, came to the agreement that the AIC would help fund the revolution as long as they got to have a hidden hand in designing the economy of the new government. Hmm. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. So, Trotsky and Lenin return to Russia with plenty of gold. The revolution happens, the Soviet Union is born, and the members of AIC effectively freeze Russia's 
economy, Russia's economy, for 60 years. 60 years. Well, the length of the... Well, I don't know. That's just what my source said. It doesn't really make sense because this is happening in, like, the 1920s. I'm just trying to think about that. Oh, yeah. That would make sense. That would that go would, up to and the 1980s. That would put them at the 1980s. Which is, like... Which is close to the end. Yeah, close to the end of the Cold War. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so with this investment then, AIC, which also apparently included the Rothschilds, Sir George Buchanan. Oh, we learned about the Rothschilds and Illuminati. Uh-huh. And Lord Alfred Milner, three people who were later instrumental in the creation of the CFR. Mm-hmm. Did you Council finally figure on out- foreign relations. Did you, you forgot. Try, did you uh, figure out who the Rothschilds were? No, I never looked. So we still don't know who they are. They're a family. They're very rich. They get to have their secrecies, okay? They keep coming up, but we still don't know who they are. They're the lizard people. <laughs> right. So they created a pseudo-enemy that it, to some extent, controlled. A pseudo-enemy as in... The USSR now. They some It's a fake enemy of theirs. Oh, okay. So communist. they... And apparently they have some control over it. Okay. So they've frozen... The Russian economy by turning into the them into communists, and they've come up with this title, the USSR, for this boogeyman, boogeyman thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So they created the boogeyman to frighten and manipulate the U.S. and other Western countries, pretty much. Okay. So what about the whole Berlin thing? I don't actually go into Berlin because that's a key thing. Well, <laughs> that's very key. Hold on. Let me let me get through the rest of my notes. Okay. According to the conspiracy, the Soviet Union was doomed to fail. While putting on the act of trying to destroy it, members of the CFR, who had infiltrated many top government agencies, um, also had to find ingenious ways to keep their supposedly failing creation alive. To do this, the CFR provided trillions of dollars in aid, which often came in the form of technology. Hmm. So what this theory is essentially saying is that all Russian technology technological advancements were the result of American aid, not the result of good Russian engineering or Russian size. Just, it's so America. they're trying to take credit for, like, Sputnik and for sending the first man out into space? Yeah. Um, one example is, and it's probably the most famous example, it's um, in 1950 when Ethel and Julius Rosenberg supposedly stole the essential documents which held the secrets to the atomic bomb and gave them to the Russians, or the Soviets. Who are these people? Ethel and Julius Rosenberg. They were Russian spies. They're famous. Yeah. Um, the theory claims that this was actually just a cover-up for the CFR government officially giving the Soviet Union the plans for the atomic bomb in 1943 under the London Lease Program. Hmm. Okay. I guess they were sharing information at that point. <laughs> so nice of them. Um, the Rosenbergs were expendable agents designed to get caught and then covered up when Truman rushed their execution in 1953. I'm not sure if three years is really a rushed execution, but seeing how, how most death penalties are an like, average of 15 years. Yeah, I would say it's pretty rushed. Yeah, all right. It's rushed. It's about as rushed as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> Later, Richard Nixon and National Security Advisor Henry Kissinger, both CFR members, gave gave the Russians the technology to make their ICBMs more accurate. They needed to make the Soviet threat more credible. Of course. Uh, Yeah, this is why I gave that 
disclaimer at the beginning is because it does just can take away all Russian accomplishments and say it's American. Yeah, and which is that's not our viewpoint. Like literally the most American <laughs> thing to say. Literally, yes, you're exactly right on that. <laughs> we couldn't be up our own buttholes any further. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm Canadian right now. (laughs) Shut up. I'm jealous. (laughs) But the Soviet Union wasn't always the enemy the CFR had intended for America. Okay. The first creation was Nazi Germany, but that got a little out of hand. You'd think. (laughs) And turned kind of into a Frankenstein's monster. So Wait, 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 wait. So they're saying that Hitler was put there by... America, and he turned into Frankenstein. By the CFR, yes. So... Well, he didn't turn into Frankenstein, but the whole situation turned into a Frankenstein's monster scenario, and it got bad real quick. Yeah. And that's actually putting a lot of blame on America. (laughs) I mean, this... We'll take credit for everything. Uh, Even the bad stuff, (laughs) apparently. bad stuff. (laughs) If it happened, it's America's fault. You best believe it. The most traumatic and horrific things in history, and the coolest. All America. Even before America existed, it was America. Yeah. You know, if, if you're listening to this from a foreign country right now, welcome to America. We are so up our own assholes, okay? It's, it's not even funny at this point. Like, this conspiracy theory is so American, it needs to have a... Bald eagle carrying a Mountain Dew with a trucker hat that says make America great again. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, so the CFR has to get rid of Nazi Germany and the Nazis. But at the same time, they have to make sure no one snitches. Right. Because that's that's (laughs) important. Sorry, I'm just People can't know what's going on. So much trouble taking this seriously. Don't. Not that I was taking it seriously, but I'm having trouble listening to it and not just facepalming with every sentence. Okay, so back in World War II, uh, while we were trying to get rid of the Nazis, Uh General... That we created. That we created, apparently. (laughs) General William Donovan is picked by the CFR group to direct OSS, Office of Strategic Services, a U.S. intelligence agency. Mm-hmm. General Donovan was a millionaire Wall Street lawyer. Apparently, I never checked that out. I just kind of read it and said, okay. Yeah, why not? Uh, his right man, right-hand man was Alan Dulles, a senior member of CFR, and they had their office in Bern, Switzerland. Where they were Wait, a- where? Bern, Switzerland. Bern, Switzerland, okay. Where they were able to keep an eye on um, the protection of interests of the CFR. Most OSS agents were secret CFR members and went on to help the de- help develop the U.S. intelligence and national security policies. But OSS was not really working to benefit the American public or end the war in Germany and save American troops' lives. Actually, it worked to sabotage the war effort to prolong it until they could more easily replace Russia, or the USSR, sorry, in my notes, <laughs> as their scapegoat and the resident boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you see, what they needed was to buy time so they could help the Nazi war criminals escape and get them safely to South America. Okay, I'm sorry, I need to just know, what what is the CFR's 
overarching goal? Like, what are they trying to do? Create a boogeyman character for America to be afraid of, so America will accept a bunch of military spending and, you know, just... Oh, okay. Because they couldn't come up with a legitimate reason to be afraid of communism? No. To just have military spending? No. That's unreasonable. Unreasonable. God. <laughs> okay. Are you kidding me? We're the country that spends the most money per capita on military. You think there's not a reason behind it? CFR. <laughs> this is Council why. on Foreign Relations. <laughs> okay. Um, no. Where was I? Mm. Uh, something about something. Yeah, so they what they really needed was to buy time so they could help Nazi war criminals escaping it to South America. They didn't want them to be interrogated and possibly spill the beans on what was really going on under the covers. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> that would... <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And then they needed to create the right conditions for the Soviets to seize control over Eastern Europe. We're explaining why they needed so... I guess to... A lot of this More power, more scary, I guess. Yeah, a lot of this, like, this is a lot of work just to increase military spending. A lot. A lot lot of work. It gets way harder. (laughs) I feel like they need a bigger goal here. Yeah. Um, While not all OSS members were in in on the bad agenda of the organization, Uh um, there are a number of good ones, but the agency was known to have a number of communist sympathizers, if not communists, in their ranks. The OSS. According to my source, the OSS, yes. Okay. Yes. A bunch of communist spies within the OSS. Yes. Yes. The CFR also had a hand in the Bogotazo riots, which were the riots in Bogota, Colombia. Mm-hmm. Because um, a lot of the Cold War did happen in South America. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, with Fidel Castro and Oh, well, yeah, Cuba, Cuba yeah, and, and the Bay of Pigs, and Bay of Pigs that I didn't talk about. There was at least some fear of communism coming from the southern border. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Bogotazo riots were the result of the assassination of Colombia's populist leader, Jorge Iglesias Gaetan. I hope I said that right. The riot left more than a thousand dead and destroyed or severely damaged over 150 buildings. What does this have to do with the Cold War? Well, this was the CIA's first successful psychological warfare operation carried out at the command of the CFR. Also, this operation involved one of their newest secret agents, Fidel Castro. Oh my god. (laughs) Wait, doesn't psychological warfare mean there's no, like, actual physical damage? I don't know, man. That's what I thought. I guess there was some... This sounds more like guerrilla warfare. But I'm not a militant, so... Whatever. What do I I'm a Canadian. I don't know anything about military. <laughs> You're a bunch of peace-loving hippies up there. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Anyways. Castro had been recruited in Cuba that same year, um, so, earlier that year. So I'm guessing that all of that stuff about Kennedy trying to assassinate him was part of the CFR's oh, plan. It's Yeah. That's why they failed so much. Because they weren't really trying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, the same year as the Bogota Rise, it's uh, a little bit earlier in the year, Castro is recruited. His mission is to travel to Colombia, 
provoke the assassination, i.e. provide the gun to the assassinator. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a word. Assassinator? Sure. Why not? Assassin is the right one. <laughs> but I made up my own. <laughs> so, yeah, provide the gun, plant false clues to make everyone think it was a communist plot, and further stir up fear of the Red Menace. <laughs> I just had this image in my mind of him going around and, like, spray-painting communist symbols on buildings, like, total cartoonish. My source did go into a little bit into what he actually did, but it was so convoluted and confusing that I'm just like, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm done. (laughs) I'm out. Doesn't even make any sense anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to throw more gasoline onto this fire, one of the pictures on the Council of Foreign Relations about Paige is Angelina Jolie. Oh my god. Her again? So to bring it full circle, the CFR is really an Illuminati organization, and the Illuminati fake the threat of communism to get us to fund gross military spending. Wait, so Angelina Jolie wants to increase military spending? I don't know what Angelina Jolie wants. I just know her picture was on the about page. (laughs) Oh my god. And that is just me throwing fuel onto this fire. <laughs> it's, it's got nothing to do with cons- conspiracy theory. Okay. But yeah, just thought I'd get add that in. Anyways, <laughs> how do you get someone to trust a bunch of lying politicians? You make them think their life depends on it. Mic drop. I just realized that Angelina Jolie wasn't really around at this time. <laughs> you just realized. <laughs> I'm too drunk to deal with time management. (laughs) She's an immortal like Keanu Reeves. Of course. By the way, need to do that episode. Next one? Sure. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Well, that was fun. Mm -hmm. Of course we would have to come back to the Illuminati, and I'm sure we will come back to it again if we ever do any other conspiracy theories involving major international events. Of course. We're going to come back to it. I'm sure we're going to do some Nazi conspiracy theories and we're going to come back to it. Yeah. The Illuminati are involved in everything. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. That's why our episode didn't jerk. Jill is an Illuminati member. (laughs) Okay, technically I still can't figure out their website, so I don't know if I'm Illuminati worthy. I'm, I'm going to say that you are an Illuminati member. Okay. We'll go with it. Anyways. (laughs) So, we're going to end with this new thing that we're starting. Well, we're going to first tell them our info. Because we said we were going to do that first. Did we? Okay. Sure we did. (laughs) Alright. Anyways. We have something coming. You better stay tuned. Okay. (laughs) That's a way to preface it. Sure. Let's just jump right in. I just realized that sounded super threatening. We have something coming. <laughs> something is coming. You better and only you can stop it. By s- keep listening. By keep listening. <laughs> words. I'm definitely not wonderful Illuminati material. Nope. You are not. <laughs> they fucked up by allowing you in. <laughs> Anyways. Rate us on iTunes or like us or subscribe. Please do. It helps other people find us. It moves us up on the charts. And and finish my fucking sentence on your favorite podcast app. (laughs) 
Okay, but iTunes especially. Like, iTunes especially, yes. Say anything you want to say, like, the Illuminati is out there, or... Flubbity flubbity fuck. Or that, or the CFR is the <laughs> Illuminati. I, we don't care. Just say something and rate us so that we can find more people to listen to us. Uh, yeah. Email us if you have suggestions, or, you know, just want to say you like this, or you didn't like us, or... Send us, us your hate mail. Bunch of fucking like, bitches. Yeah. yeah. Email we love us it. at thismythagainpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry. Yes. Email us again. <laughs> email us at thismythagainpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, you can find us our website at thismythagain.blueberry.net. B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot net. Uh... We are on Twitter at myth underscore this. You can use the hashtag this, this myth, myth again. again. Tell us your favorite quote or uh, recommend this to a friend. Um, or if you're just lazy as shit and can't be bothered to do any of that, just tell a friend or an enemy. We will take both. Yep. Whatever you want. <laughs> Dealer's choice. Follow us. We'll follow you. Probably. Maybe. We'll Most check you likely. out first. <laughs> Look, if you're Illuminati, we ain't getting into that shit. <laughs> Anyways, we are going to end it with a new segment that we're starting tonight called, called Badass Bad Bitch of the Week. week. But right. we have two this week. Yeah. So. We fucked up and forgot which one of us was doing it, so we you, both did it. You know us and organization at this point. You know, our 11th or 12th episode, whatever one this is. 12th. 12th. So, of course we didn't check with each other. No! We just said we're doing this, and both of us went to do it. But the more badass bitches, the better. So, Mm -hmm. why the hell not? Maybe we'll even try to do two consistently. We'll see. Maybe. Who knows? It's always a surprise with us. You never know what you're gonna get. Are you gonna get shit, or are you gonna get quality? Most likely shit. (laughs) Who knows? Who's counting, right? (laughs) Anyways. Tell me yours first. All right. So this week I have Stephanie Rader, who was one of the most successful intelligent agents in Poland during the Cold War. Mm. Stephanie Rader was born in 1915 in Toledo, Ohio, and her parents were Polish immigrants. She was very intelligent as a child and got a full ride to Cornell because of how high her grades were. Wait, they let women into Cornell at this point in time? Shocking. What? She graduated with a bachelor's in chemistry, but unfortunately couldn't get a job because this was right in the midst of the Great Depression. Oh, I thought you were going to say because she's a woman and this is America. I mean, not that that wasn't a contributing factor. (laughs) But millennials think we got it bad. She graduated during the Great Depression, like 20 times worse. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So instead, she joined... At least you can get four jobs, okay? (laughs) Right. At least. So instead, she joined the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps. 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 Corps? (laughs) Not corpse. The corpse. Yes. The Women's Army Auxiliary Corps. And was eventually recruited by the Office of Strategic Services. Ooh. Ooh, which we just talked about. OSS. Yeah, which eventually became the CIA. Mm-hmm. But at this time, it was the Office of Strategic Services, OSS. She was one of only two agents sent to Warsaw during the Cold War and was the only one who spoke Polish. 
She got a job working at the embassy in Warsaw under the guise of looking for lost family members. In reality, she was gathering info on the police, Russian troop movements, and political data. And she didn't wear any military clothing. She didn't even carry a gun because, in her words, if she got captured, they were going to kill her anyways. Mm-hmm. So there was no point in carrying a gun. Mm-hmm. Like, no protection at all. Yeah. Just her and her brain. She was eventually captured as she was crossing the border between Berlin and Poland. And this was something she did quite frequently, was crossing the border. And in this particular time, she was captured. And she noticed that, or she realized she was going to get caught. So she flagged down this random stranger, gave them all of these documents, and gave them instructions on where to take them. Mm -hmm. And then she was captured. But She'd already given up all her documents, so they had nothing on her. They had nothing to prove she was a spy, so they had to let her go. Mm-hmm. However, after this, she was under constant surveillance. Um, turns out it was actually one of her superiors located in Paris that had routed her out. Oh, fuck her. Yeah. Can't deal with a woman doing his job. Right? Um, she wanted to stay and continue work, but... Um, they decided that they should bring her back to the U.S. in 1946. Shit got too hot. Yeah. Um, and she was recommended for the Legion of Merit, which was this very honorable military award. Of course, in these dark ages, women weren't eligible for such things, so she was denied. And um, so then she was subsequently recommended for the Bronze Star, and again, being a woman, denied. Finally, they gave her the Army Commendation Ribbon, which... Is still pretty prestigious, but not as much as the other two. I can't roll my eyes any harder. <laughs> You're rolling so your eyes so hard they can see it through the microphone. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, people. She kept her time as a spy a secret, even from her family, like throughout the rest of her life. And it wasn't until 2008, with the passing of the Freedom of Information Act that her files were declassified, and this is when her family and everyone else finds out, like, oh, you were a spy during the Cold War. And everyone began rallying behind her for her to be awarded the Legion of Merit. And finally, in 2016, at the age of 100, Stephanie received her long-overdue award. She made it to 100 years old? Yeah! That's crazy. So, Stephanie Rader... One of the most successful agents in Poland during the Cold War. Badass bitch. Was she working for the Allies or the... Um... For the Allies, yeah. Okay. Because well, she was born in Toledo, Ohio. My um, information is not quite so long. I did... Oh, God. Go for it. Say it! Lyudmila Mikhailova. Mikhailovina. <laughs> Sorry, Pavlo Chenokos. Something communism. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let me call her by her... Let me call her by her nickname, which is Lady Death. Please do. (laughs) Which sounds so much better than her real name. I'm sorry, lady. But it's so hard to pronounce. I've never had to say such a long name. I'm sure her name sounds beautiful for someone who can actually speak the language, but... And knows how all those syllables go together. Yeah. Not for Kim. For me, it's just Lady Death. Um, She was a Soviet sniper in the Red Army during World War II. 
So I'm kind of going on the other side. A little bit further back. A little bit further back and on the other side of the Cold War. Yeah. She is credited with 309 confirmed kills. 309. 309. Let me say it again so you can hear it. 309. She is regarded as one of the top military snipers of all time, and the most successful female sniper in history. I actually want to um, mention, maybe you were going to talk about this, but in um, the Soviet Union, women and men were actually considered equal, mm-hmm. and women were co- were allowed to join the army. One good thing to come out of it. One good thing. She was studying at Krebb University when the Germany invaded in 1941. When the Germany? When Germany. Um... And she was in the first round of volunteers to sign up. She joined the 25th Rifle Division and had the option to be a nurse, but turned it down. Of course. Cause Cause girl, she's, gonna kill somebody. Because she's a badass bitch. She was one of about 2,000 female snipers in the Red Army, of which about only 500 survived the war. Wow. So she is... A badass bitch. Seriously. 309 confirmed kills. Damn. That's more than most male snipers. Yeah. By the way, the reason we made this song it badass bitch is because oftentimes women do not get the credit they deserve in history. It's very male-centric. So we're just bringing to light some of the women who helped history along and pre- played a significant role. Yeah. And thanks for listening and catch you on the flip. In Soviet Russia, podcast and you. <laughs> you say it though, you have a better accent. In Soviet Russia, podcast and you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>